This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You hear so often of people who, when they are Christians, when they're leaving this earth, the two books they want to have in their hand is their Bible and their hymnal. And you can see why. There's so many great phrases in there. I love that phrase in that one hymn where he says, I stooped, I drank, I live. Let's pray. Father, help us now to stoop, to drink, to live from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you turn, please, in your Bible to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. Chapter 8, verse 15. Title of the message, I do set my bow. In the sky, in the cloud, I do set my bow. All right, Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. Follow along, please. God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done, as I have done. Now, if you go to the next chapter, chapter 9, verse 11, Genesis 9, 11, Genesis 9, 11. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you 
and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that's upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So here's the backdrop. The backdrop to this setting is that the wickedness of man had reached a tipping point. It was over the top where God said an amazing statement, amazingly tragic in chapter 6, verse 6, Genesis 6, 6, when it said about God, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Man's sin at this point had reached the limit. God was so grieved in his heart with all the evil decisions that man had made that God said he was sorry he made man. That was an amazing statement, so tragic. God was sorry. Man had so terribly corrupted God's earth with his sin that God said that, man, you've left me with no choice but to destroy, but to do what I don't want to do. And so God actually repented that he had made man, and now God brings the great flood of destruction on the earth. The rains start. The water comes up from under the earth and every man is killed, and every land animal that has breath in it drowns, and many of the sea animals are killed as well. And God said he would utterly destroy man. He said that in Genesis 6-7. Genesis 6-7, where God said, the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And so the great flood of destruction comes. God destroys man. God says in verse in Genesis 6-7 that God's going to destroy man from the face of the earth. And God left many, many evidences of the past lives that were destroyed in the flood, billions of them in the form of fossils. We have many of them here, especially the one in the front. And those are found on the face of the earth. And God said he's going to destroy man from the face of the earth. And no one, no one has ever found a fossil of man amongst the billions of fossils that are found today on the face of the earth from the flood. Why? Because God said that he would destroy man from the face of the earth, and he did. So the great flood comes, and there's no escape for man, and every man who didn't go into the ark with Noah was destroyed from the face of the earth. And now the great flood has stopped, and the waters have resided into the oceans, into the seas, into the lakes, and dry ground again appears on the earth, and God remembers Noah, and God remembers his family, and God remembers the ark as it comes to rest in Turkey on Mount Ararat. And the word comes to Noah loud and clear in Genesis 8.15, 8.15, go forth of the ark. Same voice that Noah heard in Genesis 7.1, Genesis 7.1, when God said, come thou and all thou, thy house into the ark. So now Noah and his family they are called to come out of the ark. Noah and his family, they do come out of the ark. They look at the earth. They look around. It's an earth of death. 
Everything has died. Every land creature, every bird, the birds, many of the sea animals have died. And he sees this. And what do you think Noah felt? Fear. It's a frightful sight. That's what he feels, afraid, because he's just saw the destructive force of all this water, of the flood. And Noah felt that, boy, there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, Noah was a great builder. For 120 years, he built this ark that was the length of two football fields and with compartments for all the animals. There was a watering system. There was a feeding system. There was a waste disposal system. Noah was no stranger to building. Noah was a great builder. He knew how to vision what had to be built. He knew how to write. He knew how to plan, how to draw what needed to be done. He knew the steps of the construction. Why? Because he's a great builder. He comes now, he sees the earth, and he just sees, there's a lot of building that needs to be done. I need a house for my family to live in. Noah needed to build a house. I need to build either a cistern or a well so that I can have water for my family and livestock and agriculture. Noah needs to build a watering system. I need pens for my livestock to be kept in while they multiply. Noah needs to build pens. I need fences for the vegetables, for the fruit trees, so that they're not eaten. And so Noah needs to build fences. There's just so many things that he has to build, so many structures, so many systems. And the great builder Noah knows this, and he looks at it all. But when he comes out of the ark, he sees so much that needs to be built. And Noah's a great builder, but he sets all those projects aside. And Noah, the great builder, builds the most important structure in his lifetime when we read about it in verse 20, Genesis 8.20. 8.20. Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. The great builder, he's a great builder, but before he builds anything, Noah builds the most important structure, which is this altar unto the Lord. And we read what he did on the altar in verse 20, 8, 20, chapter 8, verse 20. And he took of every clean beast and every fowl, every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. He builds an altar. He offers burnt offerings on the, uh, to the Lord. So as we see Noah coming out of the ark with all those pressing structures that have to be built and systems that have to be done, he lays them all aside and he says, I just got one. I just got one structure I need to build before anything else, my altar to God. That's a great challenge for us. That's a great challenge. Because if Noah was here today, you know what he would do? He would stand up here and say, what's in your life that you feel is so pressing to build? He'd say, do you have something that you need to do, something you need to build that's more pressing than I had when I left the ark? He would say, look, I put it all aside, and I built my altar to worship God. How about you? That's what Noah would say. Can you put everything that's pressing aside and build your altar of sacrifice, of dedication, every morning to spend time with God as I did? Now, what was God's response when he saw this? God's response is in verse 21, 821, Genesis 8:21. It says, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth, Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I've done. So God smells a sweet savor. And he sees the sacrifices, and God says, you know, when the great builder puts all his priorities aside and he says, God first, God says, that smells really nice to me. And so God describes Noah's God first choice in his sacrifices in verse 21 as the Lord smelled a sweet savor. 
And that's what God smells in our choice. When we make the choice to put God first, he smells sweet savor. He knows all about our pressing priorities. He knows that we got in life. He knows that every pressing priority in our life is crying out to us, me first, me first, me first. And when we say no, 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 when we say God first, God first, God first, in a very practical way, when we do that, for example, Bible before breakfast, he knows that we're hungry, we want to eat, but no, it's Bible before breakfast. As David put it in Psalm 55, 17, Psalm 55, 17, David said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and thou shalt hear my voice. From the beginning of the day, which by the way in the Jewish calendar starts at evening, in the beginning of the day all the way through, evening, morning, and at noon. In Psalm 5.3, Psalm 5.3, David said, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I lift my prayer unto thee, and will look up. And then he says in Psalm 119.62, At midnight, at midnight, I will arise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Daniel is a great example of this. Daniel, when he knew that under the penalty of death, if he or anyone was seen praying to God, that was the penalty, what does he do? Daniel 6.10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before. He prays with his windows open, doesn't close his windows, three times a day for everyone to see. As for me, it's God first. That's what Daniel was saying, God first. And after Noah makes his God first decision, building the altar, making the sacrifices, God makes a decision. He says in his heart, I'm not gonna do this again. I will not smite again the ground is for man's sake. He says, I understand that man's heart, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. He says, I know that but I'm not gonna destroy the earth again with water. And so that God judged, but he hates to judge. God sends people to hell, but he hates to send people to hell. God said he was not gonna send another worldwide flood on the earth. He knows that man is not reformed. He understands that after the flood. He knows the imagination of the heart is still evil from youth, but he's focused on and he's giving himself to saving man from his sin and from the evil imaginations that come out of his heart. Then God says he's going to establish a covenant, a covenant of no more cutting off, no more destruction from a great worldwide flood. I mean, this is pretty relevant to us right now. We've just witnessed a great destruction of localized floods in Texas and in Florida, and we've all been shocked to see the destructive power of the these, these, these hurricanes, the winds, the rains, the storm surges from Irma and from Harvey and Jose and who else knows what else is out there going to come out, the names we haven't even thought of. But this has given us an opportunity to think back on the worldwide flood and God's promise that he said he's not going to destroy the whole earth. Now, God said to Noah, I've got a special token. I've got a special sign of the covenant and I'm not going to destroy it. And he says in verse 12, chapter 9, verse 12, 9, 12, God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud. Bow in the cloud. It'll be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. That's the rainbow. God called it 
the token of the covenant. He called the rainbow the token of the covenant. He called the rainbow the token of the promise. It was a promise that he made, he was referring to. So God announces his covenant. That's what God does. That's not what we do. When we make a covenant, when we make an agreement, we have a discussion, we have a negotiation, we have points we agree to, points we don't agree to. Finally, we come up with an agreement that is acceptable to both sides. Not so with God. Not so with God. We have no input on the terms of God's covenant and God's agreement with us. God makes the covenant and then announces it to man. That's the way the gospel is. The gospel is a covenant. The gospel is God's covenant where God has agreed to forgive a person's sin if they they stoop and drink and live, if they look and believe and receive. And you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe that he is God, that he became a man, he died for our sins, you receive him as such, as Lord and Savior. That's all designed by God. And man didn't have any input into it, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing, because if man had some input into it, man would do something like this. He would sit there. Well, first of all, the whole thing would be seriously flawed if man had input, because man would say, this is an opportunity for me to get a little credit for a change. So I just think I'll put in there, man's good works also should be a part of the agreement. Oh, boy. So anyway, fortunately, God didn't listen. So God calls this, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it's going to be for a token of a covenant. God loves the rainbow. He loves his rainbow. He calls it his bow. He loves his rainbow, and he emphasizes certain parts of this rainbow. First of all, he calls it over and over and over again a token, a token. Three times in verse 12, this is the token of the covenant, Genesis 9, 12. Verse 13, verse 13, it shall be a token of the covenant. Verse 17, this is the token of the covenant. Now, the Hebrew word here that's used for token is the word ot, ot, which is translated token, but it's most frequently translated signs, a sign, something that's indicating something. As a matter of fact, the greatest signs that God did in the history of the Jewish people were the signs of the 10 signs which are called plagues, that Moses did with one message that was continually coming from each sign. The sign of the water turned to blood. The sign of the invasion of the frogs. The sign of the infestation of the lice. The sign of the swarms of flies. The sign of the fatal livestock disease. The sign of the boils. The sign of the thunder and the hail. The sign of the cloud of locusts the sign of the darkness, and the greatest sign, the death of the firstborn. All of those signs, after each one, was the message, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. That was the message behind each one of the signs. So each sign had the same message. So when God calls the rainbow three times an ot, a sign, we need to see what's the sign saying? What is the message of the sign? Well, the rainbow does have a message. It has a message for us today. So as God is emphasizing here by saying two times where the bow would be seen. Twice he says that in Genesis 9.14, 9.14, the bow shall be seen in the cloud. In Genesis 9.16, the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Now, you got to think about this, that when Noah comes out of the ark, well, first of all, he didn't have any clouds before the flood. So, you know, that's kind of new. 
But when he saw those clouds coming for the first time, he knew after a year what those clouds meant. They were disastrous. Those clouds let out so much water, so much destruction, so much death from those clouds. Those were a very, very frightening sight for Noah. And he was not in the mood to see any more clouds. And so he, they were really scary for him because he had seen so much death from the clouds dropping so much rain on the earth. So when God told Noah twice that the bow would be seen in the cloud, Noah understood that the rainbow is going to appear at the most scary time, the most scary sight that Noah could see, which was the cloud coming. Just at the time when Noah would see a cloud after a storm where he had great reason to fear, that's the time when the rainbow would appear. And at the most scary time, the rainbow carries the message, don't be afraid, Noah. Don't be afraid. I'm here in the face of this scary cloud. And so by appearing there in the scary cloud, the rainbow is saying to Noah, Noah, in the face of this cloud, I'm your answer. Just be assured that the storm is over. And the same Lord that put this rainbow in the face of the scary cloud, he puts his word in the face of those times when we are the most scared. And so, for example, when we have to face death, when we have to face our own death, or when we have to face the death of a loved one, the Lord doesn't desert us at that time, but he comes right in the face of the cloud, as he did when Lazarus was dead, and he came, and it was terrible, and it was scary, and there was extreme weeping in it, and he's right in the face of all of that death. He comes as the rainbow, and he says in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The message, the storms passed over. Same message that's in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of our angel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. As it says there in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the rainbow. That's like the rainbow that's seen in the cloud, how the Lord speaks to us in the special time, in a special way when we have our greatest needs. Just like the hymn says, just when I need him. Just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to cheer just when I need him most. That's the first message of the rainbow that's seen in the cloud. The rainbow is just like the Lord, coming with comfort when we need him most. And the rainbow comes when the storm's over. The rainbow appears, it's a sign. It's over now, it's gone. Just like the song says, keep me safe. In the dark of the midnight have I oft, have I oft hid my face when the storm howls above me. There's no hiding place. Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by, till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. So in that sense, the rainbow is like the resurrection. Why? Because the greatest storm that ever was was at the cross. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.